Welcome back to episode number 97 of the MP Dude. This is Jeff, the MP Dude, and I have horrible allergies. I do. I took out, I took my Allegra this morning, so I hadn't kicked in yet. So my voice sounds like crap, but I'd rather talk to you guys. It's more fun than driving here looking at corn browning in the Ohio fall. It's wonderful. Anyways, guys, um, this is Jeff, the MP Dude, giving nurse practitioners a voice. So that's all of your voices. I want to hear from you guys. Oh, no, no, it's bugging you. Because if it's bugging you, it's bugging everybody. should be bugging everybody. If it's not bugging everybody, then it's a problem. Because uh, they don't know what happens. So they don't know it's existing. Then uh, we, we need to figure these things out. So one of the things we're going to talk about today was a, kind of a little mini firestorm on Facebook. It was a great exchange. It was a couple days ago. It was like, uh, I don't know, four or five days ago. So it's, a little get, it's not quite as topical. But I promised I would talk about it. And I uh, had several people ask me to, to try to fill in some gaps on it. And I'll try to do my best. So... We're at uh, 1356, maybe, on Facebook. Somewhere in there, 1350s. So that's awesome. Keep going, guys. Keep going. Keep sharing the show, telling your friends about it, liking the show, sharing the show, giving me ratings. On uh, Facebook or iTunes is always an excellent way to let people know that you support the show. And don't forget about my Amazon affiliate link. i got a couple more purchases. Uh, weird purchase of the day. Let's think about that. I haven't done that in a while. Uh, somebody loves dog food, man. I got like one person. I don't know if it's one person, but it's the same type of dog food. They keep on dog food. It's fantastic. That stuff's expensive. And it's, you know, if you're getting a good deal through Amazon and you want to support the show, that's a great way of doing it. What you do, you go to thenpdude.com. You'll see a banner that says Amazon. It's a box. If you're on my main page, the full page, it's on the right. If you're on your web, on your uh, phone browser, right, on your phone, then, uh, just scroll all the way down to the bottom of the page and you'll see the Amazon link there. Click on that box. That's all you have to do. It takes you to Amazon. You put in your search, whatever it is you want to buy. It doesn't add anything to the price of what you're purchasing. I promise you it doesn't. And what it does is it kicks me back a couple percent for sending some traffic their way. So that's that's a great way to support the show. I'm not making a lot of money doing this, but it is going to help support the web hosting cost that's going to hit here in uh, January. And that way I don't have to explain it to my wife. I can say, look, see, we're, we're, we're as a community. We're taking care of this together. So it's a great way to do it. I appreciate your help. What do we want to talk about today? I had uh, this exchange, right? And uh, I wasn't really a major part of it. I just was tagged and I just kind of piped up a little bit and that was it. And it was... Here's the hypothetical. MA gives the wrong medication while you're uh, that you prescribed, and uh, now they're freaking out. They're like, "Oh my God, I'm, you know what's going to happen?" And and the person, and let's just assume that they're perfectly fine. There's no harm done. The wrong medication didn't cause a reaction. Didn't cause anything wrong. It just maybe delayed, you know, a, a really minor treatment slightly, but it didn't cause any problems. Maybe they have to pay another copay to come back and get the medicine, something like that. So they're, maybe they're out that. What's your liability? And, and that turned into what's the liability of the MA and what can MAs do? And it turned into a, more of a, a firestorm of, you know, my MAs can't do that or our MAs do this. And, and this, you know, that's, that's, that's a good discussion to have. It really is because not knowing what your, your people in your office are legally allowed to do is a big deal. I'm in an intersection here. Sorry, guys. So here's the short answer to the... Um, come on, dude. There you go. You can do it. Turning left in front of me. Taking his time. There we go. Um, 
the, the short answer to MA liability is it really depends on the state law. It really, really does. And it's, it's all over the place on what they're allowed to do. Some of them are allowed to do no medications whatsoever. Some are allowed to do over-the-counter medications. Some of them are allowed to do um, all medications as long as it's, it's observed by the, the prescriber um, you know, or that they actually witness that the medicine is correct or they check it or, I mean, so it's all over the place. It really is. And, and that thread gives a lot of people's guidelines of what they do, but it doesn't necessarily say what the state laws are. And I'll give you an example. In my particular office, we have a rule that says MAs don't give medicine, but that's above and beyond what the standard of care and, and what the laws are in Ohio. In Ohio, here's, and I'll give you what Ohio is as far as the, the rules, and then we'll pick apart the liability aspect here in a second. But in Ohio, and, and, and this, this is good general guidelines, okay? So it, and we're kind of middle of the road as far as states allowing MAs to do things. In Ohio, an MA can give a medicine if it's, if it's, um, it, it's, it's kind of weird, but now it's pretty much everything. It used to be if it's not on the formulary, so in other words, it's not under scrutiny, and um, which we no longer really have a formulary, so that's kind of off the table. So they can give anything now, but an but an MA can give any medicine. But then there's some caveats as to like there's training. They've they've been trained. They've got skill. There's actual documented proof of their education that they are able to give those medicines. Know how to draw them up. Can do the math. All that stuff that you did in, in undergrad nursing. So you have to kind of prove that same level of of, of uh, sophistication as the as an RN to be able to do that as an MA, but it's, you know, it's pretty easy to meet that standard. MA school, maybe they did that, and they show that proof, and they do a teach back, you know, show one, do one, teach one type attitude with, with how to do a medication, and then that's good enough, but it has to be documented, and it has to be available from the employer to the NP, so the NP has to actually see that documentation. You have to, you're basically certifying when you prescribe a medicine and allow an MA to do that in Ohio, you're basically certifying that you've done these things. You've witnessed the actual document. You actually saw it and that they were trained. In general, this goes across the country. A, a provider can delegate to a nurse. A nurse can delegate to an LPN. An RN can delegate to an, an LPN. An LPN can delegate to an MA. The, 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 the old you know, adage that, you know, crap rolls downhill. It's just kind of, you know, not to say that giving medicine is crap, but it's kind of that, you know, you can kind of think about that philosophy is the same thing. Everything can kind of roll downhill as long as it's within their scope of practice. And that's really dictated by the state law. In Ohio, an MA can't give an over-the-counter medicine, but they can't give anything else. That's it. If it's delegated by an LPN. Now, if an RN delegates it, to an LPN, which delegates it to an MA, then you got to start wondering what's the chain of command here. Is that really what we want to do? It's, we're playing the phone game, so I, I think that's opening yourself up for liability. I don't, I don't see any legal problem with doing that, but it just isn't smart practice. With respect to um, the the APRN delegation in Ohio, you have to. Um, make sure, like I said, you have to certify that they're, they're trained and that they feel that they're confident to be able to do all that stuff. But um, again, you also have to just make sure that that um, 
you're physically assessing the patient before you do that. You have to do that. That's part of the other rules. So it's two. It's a two-pronged test. One is you actually see the patient and you agree that that's it. And then two is that you know that that person's been trained to be able to give that medicine. And three, I guess if you want to say it this way, but it's gone, is it was on the formulary, which has now gone. So it, it, it can be done in Ohio. It's not that big a deal. Uh, MAs can do it. In my office, they don't do it, but that's our office policy because we have LPNs and, and RNs. So we there's there's not a real reason. They room patients and and make phone calls to, you know, get consults and stuff like that set up. So we utilize them a little bit differently, but that's per, that's just our protocol. It really is. And I like it. I think it's a good protocol as long as it's cost effective. That's the problem. Is if you got to pay an RN to do medicines when you can do an MA to do medicines, it's different different rate. You might as well utilize the cheaper person if they're competent. But we have those people, so I don't really worry about it. As far as liability is concerned, in the particular instance that was on Facebook, if you delegate to somebody and you follow the rules, your liability is pretty much not there. So in Ohio, and I, I don't know what state this individual was in, so and I did not go and research their specific state because there's just it's you know a ton of different ones, so I'm not going to do that. You guys can Google your state now, and we'll talk about where to get that information in a second. As far as the liability of this individual person, you delegated, if it was Ohio, you delegated it appropriately. You, you assessed the patient. You chose the proper medication. There's nothing that you did negligent. As soon as you delegate to that other individual that has been trained and you have knowledge that they've been trained and they screw up, it's no longer your fault. The liability stops with you. You didn't, now, that doesn't mean you won't get sued if somebody's harmed, but you'll probably get you know, bounced out of the case pretty quickly and they'll go after the employer instead of you. Now, Bupert, who does all this law book, right? I read her law book when I was in nursing school and I, it was, it was okay. It wasn't great, but it was okay. She seems to be the going authority in the country as a nurse lawyer. And, um, you know, in 10 years when I've got some clout, maybe I'll, maybe I'll be like her, I guess. I don't know. But as far as one of the things that she said in the past, and I remember this from when I when I read her book, and I saw it on Medscape too. There, she has a bunch of articles through Medscape, and she's got them. And they, somebody posted those threads to her, and I had already seen those in the past. But the the big deal with with um, liability is um, it depends on the circumstance as the APRN as to whether you're going to have liability. And the reason I say that is because it depends on if you're an owner of the company. Now, your liability as a professional, your malpractice, you're fine. It's, if you do everything right and your MA screws up, you are fine as a, as a professional. But if you are an owner of the practice or you're involved in, you know, um, maybe you uh, didn't didn't tell the, the patient after the, the medicine error or you didn't do something else that, that happened, then the problem is is that now it wasn't that you were negligent in, in the prescription of that medicine. You were negligent in not following up afterward. That's a different animal. But the big the big deal here is is your liability kind of is, is absolved when somebody else screws up. Now, where does the liability go? Got to land on somebody. Somebody screwed up, right? There was malpractice. There was a problem. There was a, maybe an injury, something like that. In that particular instance, nobody nobody was harmed, so you can't sue for a tort because you have to prove that you were damaged. 
That's one of the prongs of tort and malpractice. If you don't remember, go back and listen to my malpractice show. Type malpractice, go back and listen. Malpractice basics for everyone, I think is what I called it, something like that. And, and what that what that does is it, it eliminates the, the cause of action. They, they can't sue you for that because there was no damage. If you don't have a damage, there's nothing to sue about. You, it gets bounced out right out of court. It's a summary judgment right then. Boom. You don't have a claim. Bye. The, the case will get dismissed. It wouldn't even be a summary judgment. So that that would that would make that go away, right? If there was no injury, that's easy. But if, say they were injured, and you you had a, a a damage to this patient, whose liability does it fall under? Well, who who would your your MA have um, insurance covering them? Well, that's kind of where you what you ask is where where do they fall? Which policy do they fall under? And they don't have a malpractice policy for your MAs. Not that I'm aware of. I don't know of one. If somebody knows of one, let me know. I mean, there might be a weird one out there for it. But usually, they're going to fall under, under follow out under fall under the um, the general liability policy. So if you fall under the general liability policy, then you're 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 going to be subject to you know the general company stuff. So who's going to get sued? The company, the company that owns that or holds that policy, is the one that's going to get sued. And then they'll turn it in through their general liability policy and say somebody was injured by an MAA. It'd be the same as, uh, you know, somebody slamming fingers in a door. It would be the same thing. It gets pulled out of medical world when you go down to that level as far as MAs are concerned, and it gets put into general liability. Now, you may have a rider on your policy as a general liability policy that you're a health care facility that provides medications. Maybe it falls under a rider for that. might cost you a little bit more. But you got to make sure when you get, this is business owners, if you get a general liability policy, you need to read it and make sure that all of the activities that you're doing are covered somewhere under an insurance policy. And if they're not, you need to be asking the question of your insurance agent. Hey, look, this is what we're going to do. I'm, I'm concerned about that. I want to make sure we're protected in case we have a medicine error and somebody gets hurt by it because it could land on the company proper without without an insurance coverage. That would stink if somebody got hurt or died and you, you're, you had a big gap in your insurance policy. It's a big problem. So that's a question for those business owners that, that are out there. But as far as an NP that's working in a practice, your, your liability kind of ends when you do the proper thing and treat and all that stuff happens. And then that individual is on their, you know, that's kind of, they're on their own. They have their own their own uh, liability at that point. Now, they would get sued individually, but they ain't got no money. I mean, the chances are they're not rolling the dough as MA. Maybe they are. They could, I guess. They just really like what they do, and they, you know, have a bunch of money stuffed in the mattress or investments or something. Maybe they are wealthy. But in reality, they're not going to have any money. So who are they going to go after? They're going to the, sue the company that employs them, whoever's on the front of the check, their paycheck, whatever the name is. That's who's getting sued. Great question. Excellent question. It's really hard to answer, though, because it's, diff- it's different everywhere. It really is. Some states, like I said, if you had, if you were exercising your MA and you did not have the authority per the state to delegate to them, then they screwed up, then you would have liability because you didn't follow the rules. So that would land on you and probably the company because you're probably an employee of the company as well. So you're going to both get sued and you probably won't get out of it. So you have to know what the rules are in your state. So I encourage you, here's how you do it. Here's how you find those rules. You go to Google and you type MA laws, MA scope of practice for whatever state it is you're in. And the the two main places that you can have it is because medical assistants kind of fall under medicine. I've seen in some states it falls under the medicine boards 
con- uh, control and they set the rules for that. And other places, it's under the the, um, the a- APRN scope of practice, whether you can delegate. Ohio, it's under both. It's like all over the place. There's like five laws that kind of all relate to it. So it's more convoluted in Ohio, I think, than a lot of places just because of the number of rules that relate to it. But you really need to check both. So you need to read the statutes. If you don't feel comfortable with what your office is saying, I would encourage you to go find out what your MAs are doing, especially if they're you're given something that could possibly hurt somebody. Any medicine can, right? I mean, but you just want to make sure you're safe. So Google it. Go find the state laws specific to it. It's probably under medicine board. It's probably under nursing board. It could be under both. They could actually have their own regulations for just MAs too. So just be aware that you you know if you don't find it in one place, don't stop looking. It's oh, there's nothing about it. It's somewhere. It's got to be somewhere. You could always call your. Uh, medicine board and your nurse uh, nursing board and ask them and say what's the rules about delegation to an MA in Ohio where do I find that because if you can't find it easily uh, and it's buried then chances are there's a ton of people in your state doing it wrong so you want to be super safe and I would find out and I'm glad that you guys asked that question because I knew what the kind of rule was but because we don't typically utilize our MAs the way that to the maximum extent of what they could be in Ohio I knew that they could give some medicines, but I wouldn't know where the line was. I just didn't know where it was. And uh, so it, it helped me understand that. So that's exactly what I, I need from you guys. If you guys don't understand something, chances are I, I don't even know I need to know it. And that was one of them. That was one that I was like, oof, I should go learn that. And I'm glad I did. And I hope you guys are too. All right, guys, that was a great one. So um, we had another question that came in. This is from uh, Chris my buddy and I screwed up your name buddy I'm sorry that was the guy dropped the ball it's Chris in in North Carolina I know your name I know who you are I messed up and I apologize I just wanted to apologize and he asked some questions about um that that kind of led to negotiations is really what it sounded like you were going to Chris but um it was more specific about what what's what things go into overhead cost for a nurse practitioner and what are some of the numbers? And you know, what kind of multiplier do you use to come up with a cost of what you are to the company? How much do you cost the company? And it's really not rocket science. It's pretty easy to figure out, but you gotta at least do some digging. And the ones that I, I you know, I'm like, okay, yeah, no problem. Here, here's, and you know, I gave him some of the numbers of what I've seen in, in typical um, numbers in employment situations. And here's my history. I've, I'm a background in engineering, a background in law, uh, I worked as an engineer, but I also am a licensed attorney. And in engineering world, we used to just use multipliers to come up with our bid costs on projects because we kind of knew after doing this a bunch, a bunch, a bunch, a bunch of times what's going to make us money and what's not. So we don't have to go through and figure out all the little pieces, parts to overhead every time to figure out what, what we're going to walk away with at the end of the day. So what we used to do was we would take a multiplier of my employee's rate. So say I had a drafter that just drew pictures on the computer, right? Used AutoCAD. And they make 15 bucks an hour. doesn't matter. Say 30, 30 grand a year. That's a little low, but let's just use that number. So they make 30 grand a year. If I could build them out a 2.0 multiplier or better, then I'll be, I'll be okay. I'll make money at 2.0. I won't make a lot of money. So what I do is I would typically take the multiplier of the 2.2 or 2.5 would be like where I open up the door. If, or if, if, it, if it's real fast turn, like somebody comes in and says, I need this done now, I would use a 3.0 multiplier because I got to pull them off other projects to put them on this project. Then my multiplier goes up. 
So if I could make between 60, 65 bucks an hour off of that guy or girl, then I'm rocking it. I'm, I'm going to be okay. But if I make 90, I'm going to put a bunch of coin away. All right. So in, in reality, as a nurse practitioner, the, the overhead isn't really much different. It really isn't. The general, the general liability policy that's for the entire company and an engineering company is pretty high cost. So if you divide it out, I'm going to go out on a limb and say it's really not much different than just paying a malpractice policy for an MP. You know, at fifteen hundred bucks a year. It's just not. I mean, it's you know, we we paid millions of dollars for for insurance policy. You know, not that, but hundreds of thousands for policies throughout the year in engineering world. So it's probably more in engineering with with the cost of liability than it was than it would be as an APRN. Now you got your general liability and your office and all that stuff, but that's usually pretty low risk, low cost. You don't have a lot of, you know, hazardous activities going on unless you're doing infusions or you're doing, uh, you know, certain types of treatments and things. But if you're just a typical office, family practice office, there's not a lot of liability there as a general liability. It's people slipping in the parking lot. It's, it's uh, you know, like I said, people smashing their fingers in the doors. It's, uh, you know, the toilet exploding, you know, that kind of stuff. So some of the other numbers that you look at would be, you know, if you wanted to add it up and actually figure out the number, you just take all the, you do the, the cost benefit analysis that I've done before. The, 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 you, you make two columns, one on the left, one on the right. You put all your costs on one, you put all your income on the other, and there's your, there's your value of what you bring to the table. And that's what your salary would be if you wanted to go that route. Now, but if you want to negotiate the cost, you know, maybe bring you up a little bit, if you know what the, the average billing rate is per visit and you can estimate what the visits are per day that they want you when you're rocking and rolling, not at the beginning because you're going to be slow, but, but you know, once you're, once you're cruising and you're seeing 18, 20 patients, 25 patients a day, and you're bringing in 40, 50, 60 bucks per visit on average, just depends on where you are in the country. And if you've got those numbers and generalized based upon where you are, then you can add up the number and you can come out with, you know, you're going to make 250 to $350,000 a year for a practice, depending on what you're, you know, what, what the expectations are. So if you know that, you know, oh, we only want you to see 12 people a day, use 12 people a day at 50, 60, 70, whatever it is, unless it's higher, per, you know, whatever it is. And you figure out that number. And that's your number that you're going to bring into the company. Now, if you take and you take your salary that they're proposing you take, that you're, you, you know, that they're offering to you, and you multiply by about 1.3 to 1.5, that's about what the cost effect of you on a practice would be. So even at one, one 1.5, let's say it's $100,000, right? That's what Chris's number was thrown out there. And you multiply by 1.5, that's one, you know, 150. And if they're going to make 250 to 350, they're making 100 grand cash off your back. They just are. Now, there's got to be incentive for them to be able to do that. But you think of a physician that's in family practice, they make anywhere between 170 to 250, depending on what, you know, where they are in the country. They usually don't go higher than that, but maybe they could. But if you think about they're making money and the practice is keeping its doors open, there's no reason that we shouldn't be making 160, 170. Right? So even more reason to start your own practice. <laughs> you can make a lot more money. Right? It's just it's it's even if at 85% of the billings if you're doing Medicare Medicaid. 
And some of the private insurances, you pay out 100%. And they, they recognize that we do just as good of a job, so they pay higher. That's good. I like that. The, the, the issue is, is, you know, you can add these costs up pretty easily to come up with your actual number and then see what you would cost, your cost compared to what your actual benefit to the company is. And that's your negotiation. That's your wiggle room. Now, that's all fine and dandy, but the problem is is that there's 10 more people just like you behind you that aren't going to do that. So to some level, I do agree with the people that argue don't take low salaries, but I also agree as real, you know, realist, you know, there's, there's people out there that are just like, man, I, I was making 60 grand a year before, now I'm going to make 85. I'm good. I'll start at 85 and I'll worry about it later. So there's people that are doing that, and that's fine. I did not do that. I kind of held out. I wanted more. But I just, I was in a particular position where I was able to do that. I, I don't blame somebody for jumping because they need to feed their kids. That's, you do what you got to do. So Chris, keep listening. I haven't heard a show from you, buddy. I know you're busy and you got rough stuff going on. School sucks and it's hard and, you know, but you're, you're rocking it. Keep your, keep your chin up, man. Keep going. Don't stop. It's worth it. Um, there was some other stuff I wanted to get to. I, I'm going to start, I'm getting backlogged on my AAMP journals and things like that, but I want to get into some of the stuff that I'm seeing in those, so um, I might start doing like a review, I don't know, I'm just thinking about the idea of like reading an article and then trying to review it, the problem is, is I do this in my car, I can't do reading and, and you know, picking apart a journal and statistics and, and you know, all that good stuff in the car while I'm driving, it's just really hard to do, and, and, I, and I don't want to wreck, <laughs> I don't want to kill somebody, a family of four dies by Jeff, not good, don't want to do it. So we'll, we'll figure that out, but maybe in the future, if I've got, you know, after things stabilize a little bit, I can do, you know, one show a week maybe where I'm at home and I can actually take an article and kind of rip it apart and see, you know, do kind of my analysis of, of, of a research study and, and peel these things apart and peel the onion away and, and see if it's val- valuable or not and go from there. And I saw one, another one, I saw anti-vaxxers. Are there anti-vaxxers on this page? And that was a great one, right? Because that's, you know... Here, and I've done my anti-vaxxer thing, right? And this kind of was where I'm stemming from that, is maybe taking some of these articles and peeling them apart to look at them and say, yeah, maybe this isn't as valuable as what everybody's claiming it is because we're just assuming that we understand the research and we're just taking the CDC's word for it. And maybe it isn't as safe as maybe it otherwise, you know, was being led to believe. But I still think the benefit of immunization far outweighs the risk of the potential problems that are there. And that's how I talk to my patients about it. So maybe we'll do that in another show. We'll start doing that. What are your guys' thoughts? Do you guys like the idea of me uh, taking a study every now and then and just ripping it apart and and, uh, and going from there? And you guys can even send me topics of which which areas you want to rip apart. I still want to do interview with that guy. I just haven't had time. I don't have time to go. It's in Benakron. I don't have time to go find him. I'm sure he would do it. It's a buddy of a buddy, so I'm sure it would happen. But it's just... Uh, the, I don't know. We'll have to see. It'd be cool. I would love to learn the immunology stuff. I think that would be really neat to do. Maybe I'll have to make that happen. Maybe over Christmas this year. I don't know. I need to hear from you guys. I want to know what's going on. I know what problems you guys got going. I, I, I want to know the ones I don't know. And uh, we'll we'll start getting those out in the open. I talk to people about depression, anxiety, and stuff like that. And I offer counseling. And one of the things I always tell them is sometimes it just helps getting it out in the open. So let's get these things out in the open. If it's bugging you, I want to know about it because it's probably bugging me, and I might just not know it yet. 
And uh, if, if it's bugging other people, maybe we can get a unified front, how we can handle it and move forward from there. So I want to hear from you guys. You guys can email me, jeff at the npdude.com. You can always catch me on Facebook. Don't forget that um, you got the Amazon affiliate link. It's a great way to support me and support the show and just kind of keep this thing going on. And uh, don't forget to like and share. Spread the word. Give me those ratings on iTunes and on Facebook. And uh, have a great day. Have a wonderful week. And we'll talk soon.